CFAX Victoria, a division of Bell Media. And an iHeart Radio station. If it's happening, it's here. CFAX 1070. It's 3 o'clock. Good afternoon. I'm Mark Brené. Sunny for the rest of the afternoon, but we're likely looking at rain tomorrow with a high of 15, cloudy and up to 16 for Sunday. CFAX 1070 News begins right now, and here is Sandy Hall. Thank you, Mark. The judge has reserved decision in the case of suspended Victoria Police Chief Frank Elsner and whether key evidence should be banned from being made public. CFAX is part of a court battle trying to ensure evidence is public. The case was being heard in a Vancouver courtroom today behind closed doors. Elsner was seeking a ban on evidence connected to several investigations into his conduct. His improper relationship with a subordinate's wife initially prompted an investigation. Elsner is trying to suppress the contents of Twitter messages between he and the woman and details of his employment contract. He also wants a gag order on evidence gathered during both internal and external investigations. Police complaint commissioner investigations pertaining to his relationship, alleged workplace or workplace harassment, and alleged attempts to influence witnesses and destroy evidence are ongoing. CFAX 1070 is fighting Elsner's bid to have the information banned in partnership with the Times Colonist and CTV Vancouver Island. A 48-year-old Victoria-area driver who lost his temper and assaulted another driver in Brentwood yesterday, also threatening the other man with a stun stick, was held in police cells overnight pending a court appearance this afternoon. Central Saanich Deputy Chief Darren Lynch says a stun stick carries a powerful punch, 950,000 volts, and is designed to ward off predators like cougars and bears, not human beings. A stun stick was something I wasn't familiar with and uh, thought perhaps it might even be a prohibited weapon, but it was a, a length that allows it to be sold legally in this country. But uh, certainly you can't use it for, uh, for any other purpose. Lynch says the man may face charges of assault with a weapon, possession of a weapon dangerous to the public, and assault. He was speaking with CFAX 1070's Pamela McCall. Vancouver police say a missing Japanese student has been found dead in a West End heritage home. Police say Natsumi Kagawa had been missing for more than three weeks and her body was found Wednesday. They aren't saying what led officers to the Gabriola House mansion. 48-year-old William Schneider of no fixed address was arrested in Vernon and has been charged with indignity to a body. Helicopters equipped with heat-sensing cameras are in the air over a rugged area of West Vancouver today near the Cypress Mountain Resort, hoping to spot any sign of a 65-year-old hiker. North Shore Rescue says Debbie Blair has not been seen since around noon yesterday and was not prepared for a very chilly night on the mountain. A ground search continued through the night, and a search dog was added to the team this morning. Rescuers are focusing on the steep and sometimes poorly marked bluff trail leading to Eagle Bluff below Black Mountain. And a would-be rescuer says he just can't stop thinking about the woman who died in Thursday's train disaster in New Jersey. Ramon Perkins may be the last person to have seen Fabiola de Crohn alive. Perkins, a massage therapy student on his way to school, was passing through the Hoboken train station when the Pascack Valley train ran past the end of its track and brought a ceiling crashing down onto the platform. He found the 34-year-old lawyer gravely injured in the rubble. I just told her to fight for your breath. Think about your family. Think about your friends. Think about think about tomorrow. Like tomorrow, you're gonna be like, man, this was so crazy. She left behind a husband and 18-month-old daughter. Perkins says he wants them to know she didn't die alone. I'm Warren Levinson.
Here's today's CFAX 1070 News poll. Does Victoria do enough to protect its heritage buildings? 66% say no so far. Vote now at CFAX1070.com. I'm Sandy Hall. If it's happening, it's here on CFAX 1070. News time is four minutes after three. Thank you, Sandy. And now with a look at traffic, here is Art Aronson. Thank you, Mark. No motor vehicle incidents out there in the capital region to report right now, The uh, making the Friday commute any worse anyway. Volume is starting to pick up on most of the major transit routes. I'm seeing the usual volumes in both directions on the Mackenzie Avenue near Shelburne there in UVic. On the Trans-Canada Highway northbound in Lankford from McCallum Road to the West Shore Parkway. Also remember Wilkinson Road is still closed between Mann and Greenlee. The Helmkin interurban Wilkinson intersection there is very very busy in all directions right now as well. If you see something out there other drivers should know about, give us a call at 381 News or Star 1070 on your cell phone. Out at BC Ferries, uh, sailings every hour from Swords Bay to Sawasan. No sailing waits right now. The 3 o'clock boat did leave just full, though. The uh, 4 o'clock boat's just over 50% full. Checking CFAX weather now. Here is CTV Vancouver Island meteorologist Astrid Brownschmidt. This afternoon, we've got sunshine breaking through the foggy skies in the capital region. Eight degrees is our low tonight. Tomorrow, we could see a few showers, so just be ready for a few sprinkles here and there. Otherwise, a mainly cloudy day with some sunny breaks and 15 degrees. Sunday, if you got to mow the lawn, that's the day to do it. 16 degrees, and we will have some cloudy periods, but also some sunny breaks. I'll have your full island forecast tonight on CTV News at 5. All right, now in downtown Victoria, it's 14 degrees. I'm Art Aronson. If it's happening, it's here on CFAX 1070. We are approaching... 306. Mark. Thank you, Art. It's Friday and the mayor is at our disposal. She very kindly offers an hour every Friday to CFAX 1070 listeners. So if you have questions, concerns, compliments, give us a call. Victoria Mayor Lisa Helps is here for the next hour. This is what it feels like. It's now more affordable than ever to escape the cold and enjoy a holiday with Sunwing Vacations. This week only, get the best deals of the year with our Midwinter Madness Sale. Start your vacation with Sunwing's award-winning champagne service and get jaw-dropping savings. Hurry, these deals won't last long. This is what it feels like. Book now with sunwing.ca and save up to 60%. The American Original is back. November 10th at the Royal Theater. Here come the Beach Boys. The gold. The platinum. You get all the Beach Boys hits. Get reserved seats to the McPherson box office or online at rmts.bc.ca. For VIP packages and more, go to mikelove.com. You have endless information at your fingertips, but not all of it is accurate. That's why CTV News Vancouver Island has a responsibility to you. Our award-winning news team turns a critical eye on every word and every image before we put it on the air to produce a newscast you can trust so you get the whole story and nothing but. It has been a dangerous week for Capital Region police officers. Trust in CTV News Vancouver Island. Online at vancouverisland.ctvnews.ca. Home to some of the world's most provocative thinkers and commentators. The Ted Radio Hour, Saturdays and Sundays on CFAX 1070. Now, Mark Brené on CFAX 1070. It is Friday, and so we take you home with the mayor, City of Victoria Mayor Lisa Helps is in studio. Good afternoon, Mayor. Good afternoon. Happy Blasphemy Rights <laughs> Day. Yes. But, but more importantly, 
You're wearing the orange shirt. Happy orange shirt day. Yeah, well, it's not so happy, is it? No, that's、um, true. Yeah, I just、uh, actually came back from a ceremony at Camosun College to recognize、uh, Orange Shirt Day and to proclaim it Orange Shirt Day. And for listeners who don't know, it's a day to remember、uh, kids who went to residential schools. 125,000 survivors of residential schools. We'll get into that in a couple of hours here on CFAX 1070. Many things to、uh, begin with, including this. Yesterday morning, First Nations representatives, you and、uh, several mayors from across the province, Gregor Robertson from Vancouver, Derek Corrigan from Burnaby, Maya Tate from Souk, that's just to name a few. They held a news conference to express concerns about the Kinder Morgan project, the pipeline. This is the project that would、uh, triple capacity of the existing Trans Mountain Pipeline. And if you're confused like I am about all these pipelines across this province, this is the one that carries diluted bitumen from the Alberta oil sands to Burnaby. Now, it would then be shipped to Asia and elsewhere. And you want the federal government to halt this expansion. Why is that? I do. <clears throat> and not just me, but、um, Council, Victoria City Council has passed numerous、um, motions in that regard. And、uh, Council and the city was also an intervener in the National Energy Board process.、Uh, there are lots of reasons, but the ones that are most relevant, I, I guess I'll start with the local reasons and then we can move on to the national ones because I certainly don't want to be seen as someone who just focuses on the local.、Um, Victoria's、uh, and, and the regions and Vancouver. Island's、uh, economy depends on our ecology.、Uh, people come here from all over the world because it's beautiful.、Um, people、uh, fish for a living. People log for a living. People collect shellfish. I mean, there's all sorts of reasons that our economy and our ecology are inextricably linked. And if there were a spill off one of the uh, tankers, um, That would devastate us. And there are already lots of tankers going past here, but an increase in tankers、um, sevenfold. An, sevenfold means an increase in probability of spill. So it's, it's quite simple from a local perspective.、Uh, it would devastate、um, our economy and, and our natural environment if there were a spill. Councillor,、uh, sorry, uh, Mayor uh, Tate uh, of Souk says this. She said, Council, Souk's coastlines and scenic values are at risk with the Kinder Morgan project. Council held a plebiscite in 2014, and we received a strong message from our residents that our community is opposed to increased tanker traffic in the Strait of Juan de Fuca. I think most people that you would speak to here in Victoria would agree with that. Most people would, and, and I think here's where it gets complicated and where I'd like to take a, a, a broader national approach.、Um, <clears throat> Victoria's economy, or not Victoria's, Canada's economy has been built on resources. I mean, you know, from right from the time that the first people came here, fish, timber,、uh, and then now natural gas and oil and so on. That's kind of our founding story as a people. And there's a lot of pressure on Trudeau's government to approve this pipeline、uh, in the national interest, right? It's good for our economy, it's going to create jobs and, and, and all of those things. I, I think it's good for the, in the national interest to turn down the pipeline.、Um, and I think that Trudeau and his government have some really strong arguments. For doing so, I think it is in the national interest to be a climate leader globally.、Uh, it's in the national interest to invest in energy that's going to create jobs. And there's been a number of economists who have done studies that show that green energy jobs create, or green energy, clean energy creates eight times the number of jobs as oil. So there's, there's lots of reasons. If we, again, I don't want to just be seen as, oh, the mayor, she's just trying to take care of Victoria. Yes, that's my primary job. But also, you know, if mayors across Canada just took care of their own areas, we would have no national economy. So I think there are really strong arguments for Trudeau's government 
to find in the national interest to turn down the pipeline and explore other energy options. There's also some concerns uh, with the way this is all going down as far as the National Energy Board goes. Now, they've had some problems there. They've suspended uh, um, talks with regards to uh, Energy East, and you feel that they should be, uh, the same should be uh, shuffled to here, to this pipeline project. Well, I mean... The, I didn't explain that very well, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> well, well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll help people. I know what you're saying because I, I wrote the press release. But uh, yeah. so uh, everyone's yeah, witnessed the kind of National Energy Board falling apart uh, because of con- conflict of interest uh, on the on the East Coast. Uh, what happened here, uh, we don't know if there was conflict of interest or not, but um, a number of mayors who stood up together on Thursday had written a, uh, a letter and signed a declaration back in March of 2015. And at that time, we asked, for um, a more inclusive process from the National Energy Board. And it's it's really interesting because in local governments, we do lots of public consultation. So we, we know how to do it really well. And one of the things that works well is when people actually have a chance to come and comment on a project. That's kind of common sense, right? Even when we're developers building a six-story building, there's an opportunity for the public to come and comment. Well, in the National Energy Board process, there was not that there was not that opportunity. Gotcha. And that's what's happened uh, out east, and that's why the uh, uh, hearings into that have been suspended, and you feel the same should be applied here. Well, we feel that the National Energy Board process in itself was flawed because there was no opportunity for public hearings, there was no opportunity for cross-examination of witnesses, and then uh, Trudeau appointed a ministerial panel, and we had some higher hopes for that. Uh, And indeed, to the ministerial panel, the public could come and speak, but it was really short notice in the middle of August, and that panel does not have the authority or was not given a mandate to make recommendations. All they're meant to do is gather up the input and hand it in. So we've had not one but two processes that have not allowed adequate uh, public input. So yes, yeah, so on that basis, we're acting, asking that the, the Kinder Morgan pipeline be rejected. But I'm not someone who likes to only focus on process because, you know, as a local government, sometimes we do process that's not that great either. So there's the process that's been flawed. But more importantly to me, it's the impact of increased tanker traffic on this coast. Gotcha. Okay. But I uh, felt like I just did a speech. Sorry, Mark. No, no, no. I appreciate that you, you cleared it up because I did not explain it very well. And Chief Don Tom of the uh, Tarslip. Tar First Nation. Uh, He says this, the National Energy Board is an energy regulator that should not have the responsibility of conducting environmental assessments or First Nations consultations. He feels that they're in a conflict of interest. I think that makes kind of sense. It does. And and the First Nations expect a nation-to-nation consultation. It should be the federal government engaging, which is the you know representative of the, of the nation, engaging directly with the nations. Right. It is 3.15. It is news time. And here... <laughs> is Art Aronson. Thank you, Mark. Central Saanich Police are asking residents to be vigilant when opening their doors to strangers following the suspicious incident that occurred yesterday. People are being advised to avoid swimming in Lankford Lake due to an algae bloom. Island Health says the bloom was discovered in the Lee Road Beach and Boardwalk area in Lankford. And the mayors of Canada's largest cities are asking for $12.6 billion over the next 10 years in federal funding for affordable housing. The request comes as Ottawa finalizes the second phase of its infrastructure program 
and allocate $17.7 billion for affordable housing, senior homes, and recreational facilities and childcare. Taking a look now at our roads, not seeing any motor vehicle incidents making the afternoon commute any worse right now. Of course, if you see something out there, give us a call at 381 News or Star 1070 on your cell phone. There are a few busy areas in Langford, especially seeing uh, Veterans Memorial Parkway is quite busy right now from Piat Road to uh, Goldstream Road that's uh, heading westbound there. Uh, no uh, motor vehicle incidents that we know. Maybe if you see something there, give us a shout. Also seeing in Langford on the Trans-Canada Highway, uh, northbound from McCallum Road to the West Shore Parkway is also bottling up as it usually does this time of day. Otherwise, things look pretty good at BC Ferries. No sailing weights on the Swanson to Swartz or the Swartz Bay to Swanson Ferry. Uh, the four o'clock boat's the next one out of here. It's about 70% full right now. I'm Art Aronson. If it's happening, it's here on CFAX 1070. It's 316. Mark. Thank you, Art. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation. Airbnb, derelict vessels, downtown parkades, dangerous dogs, Kinder Morgan, all kinds of topics we're chatting about with Victoria Mayor Lisa Helps. Join us by calling 250-386-1161 or star 1070. Are you a landlord? Landlord BC is here to help. Landlord BC provides answers to your questions so you can rent it right. Learn more at landlordbc.ca. Afternoons with Mark Brené is brought to you by Fairway Market. No club cards, no points, no gimmicks. Just great card-free pricing at Fairway Market. Listen live to CFAX 1070 for every Vancouver Canucks game. On the road or at home, we have you covered. Dorsett and Horvath just hit it. Edith's got some room. He shoots. He scores. There's the screen shot. Tip. What a save. Another save. The road to the Stanley Cup is paved in green and blue. It's a one-timer score. Vancouver Canucks hockey. Canucks broadcasts are brought to you by Capital Tree Service. This is where the pros play. Yannick hits and scores. This is CFAX 1070. How Bell makes faster, better. Right now, millions of Canadians are relying on Bell, the fastest mobile network as ranked by PC Mag, which lets them be the first to buy tickets to the latest Teen Sensations concert on their phone. The first to upload that amazing game-winning shot. And with access to Canada's largest LTE network, they can do it from... to... Visit a Bell store for details. Bell. Network speed just got better. This is Julie Skinner from Vision Travel inviting you to take advantage of the Ultimate World Travel Show offers on now until September 30th. The show is over, but the savings continue. Over 30 travel partners have extended their exclusive savings, making this the best time to book your next vacation. Visit ultimatetravelshow.com for more details or call us today. Vision Travel, vacations crafted by professionals. 250-412-1888. That's 250-412-1888. Growing your knowledge along with your plants. Gardening 101 with Jeff DeYoung. Sunday mornings at 10 on CFAX 1070. This is Mark Brené on CFAX 1070. wanted to hear that part. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Mayor Lisa Helps is in the city of Victoria. Mayor Lisa Helps. And we're talking about uh, all kinds of things. We thought uh, we'd start with uh, what happened with the UBCMs, the big meeting this week here in Victoria. When was the last time it was held here? Do you know? 
usually yes. goes around the province. Yeah, I was a counselor then. Um, so sometime between 2012 and now, I, I can't remember to tell you the truth. It goes, um, it's in Vancouver every second year. Right. And then uh, probably it was in 2013 that it was here. That sort of rings a bell. Yeah. I, was, I was at them. I just can't remember if it was 2012 or 2013. Okay, uh, let's go through some of the things that came through uh, there. Uh, first, I want to talk about, uh, I know you didn't attend that, that session. You were ill that day, but the Airbnb, it did pass. There, the UBCM delegates uh, voted in favor of some sort of a resolution to regulate Airbnbs in this province. Do we know what kind of regulations we're looking at? Because I know Vancouver is looking at some very stringent ones. Yeah, no, we don't know. And sorry, I, w- I was I was there for the motion passing, but there was also a workshop on Airbnb, and I wasn't able to attend the workshop because I was meeting with a minister at that time. Um, it will be very interesting to see what the province does with this. Vancouver has uh, passed or, or is now launched public consultation on Airbnb regulations. Um, Victoria has given our staff uh, direction to do the same. Um, Tofino is working on it. It's an issue, as we heard this week, in every uh, almost every place in the province. So I think what would be most helpful, and I know that this is on the province's agenda, is for the province to give us direction. Uh, otherwise, what we're going to have are different regulations in every uh, local government in the province, and that is not good for anyone. It's not good for local government, it's not good for tourists and residents, and it's not good for business. So we need some clear direction from the province, and I know that this is on their radar. I know that uh, Vancouver City Council next week will mull over the idea of making licensing mandatory as well as adding a tax, a hotel tax. Um, so that's what they're looking at. I don't know what the, the thing will be here, but you're right, it should be uniform, be, uh, be a real mess otherwise. Okay, another thing that uh, came up was dangerous dogs. This was something that the Pitt Meadows people spearheaded because they had two very nasty and ugly dog attacks in the last year. Delegates passed a resolution asking the B.C. government to set up a province-wide dangerous dog registry that all animal control agencies and police would be required to use. Uh, This would include uh, dogs having to be muzzled and on leash when off property. Uh, What are the rules right now for dogs here in Victoria? Ooh, have to be on a leash. Um... I don't. There, there is some discussion of basket muzzles, but I don't know if those were mandatory or if they were just on offer. Um, yeah, the the leash is is key. Really, it's not the dogs. It has nothing it's to do the with the owners, dogs. Yeah. It has to do with the owners. The owner Absolutely. should be on a leash. Yeah, <laughs> or something. <laughs> or muzzled. <laughs> Interestingly, this one did not. There were two. There was the one from the motion from Pitt Meadows, and then a similar motion that came from Esquimalt. Both passed without much discussion at all. At all, and and you know, relatively unanimously, there might have been one or two hands against. So I was I was quite surprised by that. I think, I mean, I guess it's a good idea. I voted in favor, but I, I think you know, the province has a lot to do yeah. already. Yeah. And now we're asking them to also regulate dangerous dogs. So. And what what what, what what's the definition of a dangerous dog? I I don't know. See, that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, you can always be, you think of the tricky. pit bulls and you think of this, but that's not fair. That's not fair, no, because that's like that's discrimination. It certainly is. That's doggy discrimination. <laughs> it's true. You could also have a poodle that's particularly yeah. vicious. But you know, this is this is an issue for some people in some communities, and I guess uh, you know it's it it passed, and so hopefully the province will will take some action. I mean, the interesting thing about UBCM is there were 180 resolutions. We didn't get to all of them, but we got through about 140 or so. So that's the, you know it means everyone's got their work cut out for them for the next year. Uh, what was it with the uh, the premier speaking on Wednesday? Normally she would speak uh, the final Friday. Day, yeah, the she Friday. usually speaks Friday. I believe. Something uh, to do with the royal? Yeah, maybe? I think <clears throat> I think that she's out with uh, the Duke and Duchess today. 
possibly. That's my guess. That makes sense. Sylvia, you're first. You're on CFAX 1070. Say hello to City of Victoria Mayor Lisa Helps. Oh, thank you, Mark. Uh, Mayor Helps, could you tell me something about the South Island Prosperity Project? Where did it originate and what is the purpose of it? And as a mayor, what is your opinion of it at this point? I'll hang up and listen to your reply. Thank you. Thank you, Sylvia. Appreciate that. The South Island Prosperity Project. I feel like I'm about to launch into another speech. So, Mark, your job as host is I'll to reel cut, you cut in me there. off. Yeah, cut me off. Ask some questions. So. Uh, where do I start? Uh, for many years, um, quote-unquote regional economic development was funded in part by Saanich, in part by Victoria, and in part by the University of Victoria. And we had what was called a Committee of the Chamber of Commerce, the Greater Victoria Development Agency. And in that time, we fell from third in the country in terms of GDP growth to 26th out of 28 Oof. in terms of GDP growth. So we were almost at the bottom of the barrel. Um, after the last election... Uh, all of the mayors got together and said, this is no good. Uh, Mayor Screech had been to the Federation of Canadian Municipalities and learned that on average, I think most... regional uh, governments or regional areas contribute $4 per capita to um, economic development. Here we were at less than $1. So this concerned all of us. Uh, So we had a conversation as mayors and then we started talking to our individual chambers of commerce and development organizations, brought them all together. So it really came out of a collaborative conversation over the year of 2015. So the South Island Prosperity Project, it's a five-year program. Uh, It is a truly regional economic development organization. So it's a non profit organization. Uh, There are 10 local governments, uh, two First Nations, all three post-secondaries, and about 10 to 15 private sector organizations who funded it in its startup. Uh, It has a five-year mandate, and its mandate is to create uh, sustainable prosperity in the region. Uh, So that means building the economy while keeping our pristine environment, uh, to create um, or work with the private sector to create uh, well-paying jobs, and we define those as jobs 45 thousand dollars and above and to attract more investment in economic development in the region both through private sector companies but also through um, federal and provincial funding so it's exciting it's one of the you know it was one of the things in my in my platform that I thought is this really going to happen and uh, and you know Kudos to my colleagues across the region, all of us working together, we've made it happen. So it's just launched its five-year plan. The website is prosperityproject.ca, and if people want to have a look at the plan and uh, get active in making it happen. Okay, I'm just looking up to try and remember the name of the executive director. because Emily de Rosenroll. Right. We had her here in studio just last week. Great. Yeah. Uh, Sylvia, I guess that answers your question. You're not there to respond. Uh, I have no questions on that. Okay. Sounds like you're in favor of it. I'm, well, yeah, it, it's it's very exciting. And <laughs> but I it's think brand that, new. It's brand new. It's brand new. Yeah, it just officially launched uh, April 1st, 2016. It's Like I said, it's got a five-year mandate. It's funded by all those partners that I mentioned. And uh, and it will work uh, to attract investment. But, but interestingly, and Emily probably said this when she was on here, everyone's always talking about attract investment. We need more investment. 80% of uh, economic growth comes from nurturing our existing companies in the region. And really, that is the mandate. That's what South Island Prosperity Project is going to focus on. Who's here? Who's doing business? And with the support of the South Island Prosperity Project, who can grow their business and create more jobs? So it's not so much about attracting new business to the area. It's about sustaining the businesses that are here. Correct. I mean, there's some there's some attraction, you know, some uh, attracting investment. But really, the, the, the focus is let's build on our strengths. Mm-hmm. Let's nurture the businesses that are here. 
Fair enough. Okay, and Langford's one of the three that's not involved. Correct. Yeah. Uh, oh boy, quickly. Boy, timing's not going to be good. Jamie, you're on next. Go ahead. Drug overdoses in Victoria. It's kind of gone a whack, and I seen a heroin needle in a squamalt here on Admiral's Road here this week. I thought, jeez, they're getting into the squamalt now, too? Uh, is there a question in there? Yeah, why, why is there so many of it? What's going on? Like, um, is there no homes? Or is... Yeah, there's pretty much uh, no homes, no treatment centers, uh, not enough counseling, uh, not enough opportunities for people to kick their their habits and and get well there's no safe consumption sites mm -hmm. so that means that people are consuming on the streets and you're finding needles i mean it is a, you know, uh, that was actually discussed quite a bit at the uh, the union of bc municipalities conference um perry kendall was there uh, and, and others there was a panel on the uh, the overdose crisis and it's not just in Victoria, it's in British Columbia. The premier announced ten million dollars of new funding to to help combat this. Uh, so that'll that'll hopefully help. But you're right; it, it is a crisis, and it's been declared a medical emergency in British Columbia. And what is needed are two things in my mind. Well, three: one, people need housing because you cannot kick a drug habit if you're on the street. Two, we need safe consumption services so that people can have a safe place to inject their drugs. And that doesn't just mean they go there, they inject their drugs, and they're le they leave. But if it, if done well. There's the medical support services there to get people off when they're ready. And number three, very simple, we need treatment beds. Just last week, there was an announcement that there was a mobile safe consumption site that was uh, unveiled. I think it was Kamloops. And I'm wondering why Kamloops and not Victoria. Did you hear about that? No, I haven't. It's mobile. Maybe it'll come here, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I wish I had known that now because I would. I spent a lot of time with folks from Kamloops over the past week. We'll have to watch that one and, and see how it goes. I'll send you some information. Yeah, please about. do. Okay, we're the, we're, we are with the mayor, Lisa Helps. If you've got any questions, let's see. Greg and Don, you'll be next. Two five zero three eight six one one six one star ten seventy or talk at cfax ten seventy dot com. Back with the mayor after the news. Embarrassed by your bathtub? Looking to update your old, out-of-date tub? Only Bathfitter can custom make you a new acrylic bathtub that will fit perfectly over your existing tub. That means you don't have to rip out your old one. With over 30 years experience, their team of experts can get you the bathtub you've always wanted, backed by a lifetime warranty. They can also convert you to a shower stall. Discover why it's better with Bathfitter. For a free in-home consultation, call Bathfitter now at 250-418-TUBS. Got a calculator? Try this. Punch in zero and add zero. You get zero. Take that zero and divide by 84. Now take that and subtract 10,350 from it. It all adds up to the Zero Today Gone Tomorrow Clearout event. Zero percent financing for up to 84 months on Dodge Grand Caravan, Journey, and Jeep Cherokee. Plus total cash discounts up to 10,350. Zero Today Gone Tomorrow. See your Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram dealer for details. CFAX Victoria, a division of Bell Media. And an iHeart radio station. If it's happening, it's here. CFAX 1070. It is 3.30, clear for the rest of the day, but there are showers moving in for tomorrow. Sunday will be mostly cloudy with a high of 16, a mix of sun and cloud, and 16 again on Monday. It's 13 at UVic. CFAX 1070 News begins right now, and here is Sandy Hall.
Thank you, Mark. The B.C. government says it has been assured by Petronas that it does not plan on selling its stake in a proposed liquefied natural gas export terminal. A news report had indicated the Malaysian state-owned oil firm was considering selling its shares in a $36 billion venture, which would ship an annual 19 million tons of liquefied gas over the next quarter century. Earlier this week, Ottawa gave conditional approval for the project near Prince Rupert on B.C.'s northern coast. Meantime, Victoria Mayor Lisa Helps says it is in Canada's interest to invest in energy that will create jobs, adding that economists have shown green energy creates eight times as many jobs as oil. Speaking with Mark Brené on CFAX 1070, Helps says that's why she and a contingent of other municipal and First Nations leaders are opposing the Kinder Morgan pipeline, which will increase tanker traffic along the coast, along with the risk of a spill. Again, I don't want to just be seen as, oh, the mayor, she's just trying to take care of Victoria. Yes, that's my primary job, but also, you know, if mayors across Canada just took care of their own areas, we would have no national economy. So I think there are really strong arguments for Trudeau's government to find in the national interest to turn down the pipeline and explore other energy options. Helps along with mayors of Victoria, Vancouver, Burnaby, Richmond, New Westminster, North Vancouver, Squamish, Bowen Island, and Souk, along with Chief Don Tom of the Sarlip Nation, are calling on the federal government to reject a proposed expansion of the Kinder Morgan pipeline in December. Well, today's officially blasphemy rights day in the city of Victoria. Council made that declaration at the request of the BC Humanist Association, who wanted to draw attention to an old federal law that's still on the books that holds blasphemous libel as a criminal offense punishable by jail time. Not all city councillors agree with declaring today blasphemy rights day. Councillor Jeff Young says it's a worthy cause, but he thinks the city's spending too much time dealing with areas outside its jurisdiction. It just seemed to me that it is not an issue that uh, we have any particular knowledge about, uh, nor do the citizens of Victoria have have an interest in our weighing in on, because the federal government, frankly, knows we don't have any knowledge right. about it. So our opinion doesn't really add a lot of value. Young was speaking on the CFAX Morning Show with Al Farabee. Donald Trump is defending his tweets early today, criticizing former Miss Universe Alicia Mikado. Trump says it just proves if, she, if he was president that he would be awake for a 3 a.m. call. A memorable Hillary Clinton ad in 2008 questioned whether then-rival Barack Obama was prepared to face emergencies at 3 a.m. Clinton calls Trump's latest tweets unhinged even for him. I'm Sandy Hall. If it's happening, it's here on CFAX 1070. News time coming up on four minutes after, or 3.34. Thank you, Sandy. And now with a look at traffic, here is Art Aronson. Thank you, Mark. It's been fairly smooth going so far for the Friday commute. No motor vehicle incidents to report in the capital region right now that we know about. Most of the heavy volumes are in Langford. Uh, Veterans Memorial Parkway from Piat Road to Gold Stream westbound is quite busy at this hour. Also, the Trans-Canada Highway leaving the Lankford area from McCallum to the West Shore Parkway is stop and go as it usually is this hour. Of course, if you see something out there other drivers should know about, give us a call at 381-NEWS or 
or Star 1070 on your cell phone. No sailing waits right now on Swords Bay to Sawasin at BC Ferries. The 4 and 5 o'clock boats, though, are both over 70% capacity right now. Checking CFAX weather now. Here is CTV Vancouver Island meteorologist Astrid Brownschmidt. Throughout the capital region, we're actually seeing some fog this afternoon. Temperatures to reach 16 degrees once that dissipates and the sunshine really comes through. Tonight we'll be down to 8 degrees in the capital region and watch for a few showers to develop overnight. Saturday, for the most part, looks cloudy, but you've got some sunny breaks here and there. Watch for some isolated showers too, highs to 15 degrees. We're drying out under mainly cloudy skies through Sunday, 16 degrees. 16 also expected Monday, mainly cloudy. Might need your umbrella at times Tuesday and Wednesday, couple of unsettled days midweek. I'll have your full island forecast tonight on CTV News at 5. Right now in downtown Victoria, it is 14 degrees. I'm Art Aronson. If it's happening, it's here on CFAX 1070. It is 335. Mark. Thank you, Art. Victoria Mayor Lisa Helps is in studio. If you have questions or comments for the mayor, some lines are now free. Call us by dialing 250-386-1161 or on your hands-free mobile device, star 1070. This Thanksgiving, I'm thankful for all my wonderful friends and family. I'm thankful for that too, but also the Fairway Market Flyer. Really? Oh yeah, it's where I find all my hot Thanksgiving deals. For example, fresh capless prime rib oven roast, just $8.99 a pound. And U.S. number one premium yams, only 98 cents a pound. See what I mean? You know what? I'm thankful for you and your wisdom. You're welcome. Happy Thanksgiving. No club cards, no gimmicks, just great card-free pricing at Fairway Market. You walk with a certain pride, and you notice when others do too. You share this connection because you donated blood, which means you gave life. And there's a certain je ne sais quoi that comes with that. All you know is that you're part of something powerful, and that's the connection you share with other donors. Join the movement. Book an appointment at blood.ca. Canadian Blood Services. It's in you to give. Are you an A or an O? Now is the time to book on blood.ca. More local coverage than anyone else. If it's happening, it's here. CFAX 1070. Now, Mark Brené on CFAX 1070. In studio is someone who says she wants to take my job one day. No. Yes, you did. I said I'd you love, can't I, have I it. I said I would love to have a radio show, but that I would never take your job. Okay, I appreciate that. We could we could swap jobs for a day. <laughs> Imagine that. I don't know what, what we'd get accomplished. I don't know what the citizens of Victoria would think Free about that. beer day in Victoria, yeah, declared right. by Mayor Mark. Yeah, exactly. You'll get a million emails from people saying you're wasting money. Actually, maybe with beer, maybe not. No, no. Most of my friends would be very much in agreement. Uh, listen, you've had a great week as far as uh, meeting some very impressive people. It started out Saturday. Uh, you were part of the uh, uh, the dignitaries that met the royal couple Saturday. Then uh, Monday, uh, there's a, a reception at Government House, and then it goes on. You're going to have another meeting as well. Tell us about uh, how it went with the royals. It was great. I was, on Saturday, I was so proud of Victoria, first of all. I mean, everything went so smoothly, and there were a lot of moving pieces. Our public works staff, our park staff, the police, the you know, all the folks from protocol in the province and the, and the government, just the event went seamlessly, and it, it, was, it was a very proud moment. In terms of standing there uh, alongside the red carpet, anticipating them walking up and then shaking their hands, really, really heartfelt, sincere people. You know, that's one of the things I've been really, really impressed with, both in um, in uh, the Duke's speech uh, at the legislature and just interacting with them a little bit on uh, on Monday night at uh, at Government House. They're very sincere, and 
to me, they're using their roles as uh, the royal couple to highlight things that are important to, uh, well, to me, but more, I think, to British Columbians and to Canadians. So they're really focusing on um, youth mental health on young families, on the environment, and on First Nations. Right. They're, they're immersing themselves in those issues, and I think that's a great thing to do, to bring profile to those important issues as the royal couple. They come across as being very sincere and very down-to-earth. They really Absolutely. do. Um, I was very proud of Victoria, too, for what it's worth. Uh, I was in the middle of that uh, huge crowd on, on Saturday, because we were up on this stage, which was over the fountain. Right. The media yeah, was yeah, yeah. Saw you so there. I had a pretty good uh, view of everything, and I was very proud of this. Just a huge, beautiful crowd that was so well behaved and just so respectful. It was wonderful. And so and so intergenerational and multicultural. Totally. You know, there all were, ages, all ages, all cultures. I mean, and the other thing that really struck me, and I've had a couple of emails from people about this that struck them as well, is every time, whether it was you know His Royal Highness or Her Honor or His Honor, the the Governor General of Canada, everyone who spoke recognized we're on the traditional territory of the Songhees and Esquimalt peoples mm-hmm. and every time anyone said that the whole cloud the whole crowd burst into applause yeah it was a very it was a wonderful crowd um, are you tearing up no I'm okay. just tired I'm tearing up yeah <laughs> okay. I tear up when the Expos used to win or the Blue Jays lose that's when I tear up okay I'm tearing up about the Royals uh, I wanted to ask you something about the Royals so there's another meeting that you'll have you're going to be at the Cridge Centre tomorrow that's right. So they are going to tour the Cridge Centre for the families uh, on Saturday morning. Um, it's a private event, although there are lots of people going to be there, some 400 people. And really, again, to touch in on some of the things that matter to them. And the Cridge Centre is, I think, the oldest charity in Western Canada, so they're interested in that. And then I will, along with probably many Victorians, uh, be gathering to send them off uh, tomorrow afternoon when they leave by Harbour Air. Yeah, that's uh, what three o'clock or something in that area. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere around. It's going to be a big crowd out at the uh, at the harbor. That's fantastic. One more thing. Uh, the other thing that impressed me, uh, I can't believe how uh, the Duchess was able to walk down that uh, the staircase of the airplane onto the tarmac carrying uh, a baby in those shoes. <laughs> like what balance? Yeah, there and what you grace? Go. And yeah, ab- absolutely balance and 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 grace. And I think you know you're speaking about her walking down the steps, but I would say. You know, grace is one of the qualities that she that she really imbues, and that's that's evident. I watched her interact with people. I mean, it was a crowded house at Government House, and we were all arranged into little tables. And you know, he took half the room, she took the other half of the room, and they came in and they genuinely interacted with people. And we were kind of near the back, and by the time she got to us, she wasn't exhausted. Well, she probably was, but she yeah. you know she was still there and genuine. And and she spent most of her time at our table talking with a mom and a daughter who were working really hard on uh, on a mental health call. It's one of the things we commented on uh, during our live coverage on Saturday was normally when there's a reception line with the Prime Minister and his wife Sophie, et cetera, et cetera, you, uh, the ministers and uh, the Premier, et cetera, it's, it's a quick handshake and you're off to the next one. But they seem to have genuine long conversations with each person in the, in the, uh, in the um, reception line. Absolutely. And I asked a, a, a reporter from the Times of London, I think he was from, and I said, is that normal? He said, yeah. They spend a lot of time, mm-hmm. so they seem very down-to-earth. Uh, Greg, you're up next on CFAX 1070. Uh, you have a question for Mayor Lisa Helps. Hi, Mayor Lisa Helps. How are you? I'm good, Greg. How are you? I'm doing all right. Do you know what I wanted to ask is, I wanted to ask you what the procedure was with the um, Crystal Gardens and what actually happened, because I understand that that's off the table, but we didn't really hear anything about it from businesses, or we didn't have any input or anything like that, and I understand there was one group that sort of um, was running the show with that. 
So that's a great question. So it didn't it didn't even get to the input stage. Um, uh, City Council put the Crystal Gardens and the um, Apex site, which is the car car uh, lot. Uh, beside it, which the city owns, into the mix. Um, for the casino. For the casino. And we said to the B BC Lottery Corporation, we know that there are lots of sites in the city. Here's one potential site. And that was, you know, very public as it should be because we do most of our business transparently as we can. And we did, as Greg said, uh, get a lot of feedback from people who live in the Humboldt Valley, uh, not interested in having a casino so close to their residences. And that information was, uh, well, very public because a lot of them wrote letters and then called into shows like this and so on. But also that uh, information was translated from our staff to their staff as as they met to kind of discuss the process but i was talking to um greg walker who's from the bc lottery corporation uh we were actually in the crystal garden together at uh, the ubcm the city hosted a welcome reception and his what he said is this building would be almost impossible to retrofit uh for a casino so i think it was a, co a combination of public input but also just the practicality from bclc's side that answer the question greg yeah, that's that's not too bad. I just wanted to I just wanted to clarify it wasn't just one special interest group that sort of called this. Absolutely not. I think BCLC is going to make decisions based on the best business case, and then you know there there would have been um, a very large opportunity for public input had the BC Lottery Corporation selected it as a as a site because then that would have triggered for council uh, the ability to hold a public hearing, and then that you know that that's a, that's an opportunity for all members of the public to weigh in. In. But in terms of the process right now, BCLC has identified Victoria. They're now looking for a uh, an operator for the casino. There's RFPs going yeah, out. Yeah, the RFPs going out. The operator will then choose a site, and it won't be the Crystal Garden. It'll be some other site in Victoria. And then the operator will come with their site to Victoria City staff and say, here's what we're thinking. What do you think? They'll go back and forth. They'll go to the community, and then there'll be an opportunity for public input. Sure. Okay, have a nice weekend, guys. Thank Thanks, you very Greg. much. Appreciate you Goodbye. listening and calling in, Greg. Uh, as we get into the news, I have uh, a question for you. How about um, Crystal Pool as a site for the casino? Where would Crystal Pool go? Stay right there. Oh, a pool and a casino. Pool and a casino. Okay, well, you know, it's interesting. We will be uh, doing something with Crystal Pool, right. as is as is clear. I think it falls a little bit outside of the uh, the area where we'd like to see a casino. Our casino policy, um, city's casino policy, outlines somewhere in the downtown tourist precinct uh, or somewhere along the Douglas Blanchard corridor. So okay. I don't know that having a casino in the middle of a neighborhood is, is ideal. But Probably not ideal, but I thought there's enough room there and you're trying to renovate Crystal Pool. So I thought Correct. kill two birds with one stone. Uh, I don't know where there's any land available in that corridor though. Is there? Oh, there's lots. What about the, the theater? How about that? Right across the street from the Odeon. Not right across from the Odeon, but the other theater that's been dormant for the last couple oh, of years. Oh, interesting. Well, that's owned by the Jaws. Right. So, we, we, you know, they'd have to be willing. Um, yeah, there's, especially along Douglas Street. The Douglas Street is, there are many sites there ripe for development or redevelopment. Okay. We will take a break for news and come back with the mayor. Here comes that sound. And here comes that guy, Art Aronson. Thank you, Mark. A judge has reserved decision in the case of suspended Victoria Police 
Chief Frank Elsner on whether key evidence should be banned from being made public. The case uh, was being heard in Vancouver in a courtroom today behind closed doors. Vancouver police say a missing Japanese student has been found dead in the West End Heritage, uh, West End Heritage home rather. Police say Natsumi Kojawa had been missing for more than three weeks and her body was found on Wednesday. Global food production is expected to be hit hard by climate change, but one expert says farmers on the Canadian prairies will actually benefit. An economist studying global food supplies says farmers in Alberta, Saskatchewan and Manitoba will be able to switch to corn corn and soybeans from wheat and canola. Checking our CFAX traffic now, volumes definitely picking up on a lot of the major transit routes in Greater Victoria. No motor vehicle incidents though, luckily to make things uh, worse, not making anything worse right now anyway. The Pape Highway is busy northbound from Royal Oak to the Halliburton area. Just volume related there. Most of the heavy volumes are in Langford right now. Uh, Veterans Memorial Parkway from Piat Road to Goldstream uh, westbound is quite busy this hour. Also the Trans-Canada Highway leaving Langford from Macallum Road to the West Shore Parkway continues to be stop and go. Give us a call at 381 News or Star 1070 on your cell phone if you see something out there other drivers should know about. I'm Art Aronson. If it's happening, it's here on CFAX 1070. It's 347. Thank you, Art. When we come back, more calls, 250-386-1161, star 1070, or talk at cfax1070.com if you'd like to ask a question of the mayor of the city of Victoria. Afternoons with Mark Brené is brought to you by... Fairway Market. No club cards, no points, no gimmicks. Just great card-free pricing at Fairway Market. From the CFAX 1070 Community Cruiser, here's what's happening. The full cupboard aims to ensure no island child goes hungry. Learn how the donation you make online or at any island savings branch supports local food banks. CFAX Santa's Anonymous is gearing up for a busy season of helping Victoria children and families. If your business or community group is thinking of giving this year, visit CFAXSantas.com. Watch for the CFAX 1070 Community Cruiser from Campus Acura. CFAX 1070. Today, I'm presenting Rona's Weekly Good Plan. First, find the Rona or Rona Home and Garden store nearest you. Now, enter Rona. Our stores have automatic doors, which will make this task easy. Then, from Thursday to Wednesday, get 50% off the second box of vinyl and ceramic tiles, 20% off interior doors, and 15% off portable cordless tools and miter saws, as well as other discounts throughout the store, or order online and pick up in store later. Finally, well, renovate. Rona, good plan. Details at Rona.ca. Well, it finally happened. You're getting married. No, I've become a landlord. A landlord? Uh-huh, and I have no idea what I'm doing. Not sure how to be a landlord? Landlord BC is here to help. Whether you own or manage a single unit of rental housing or hundreds of units, if you have questions about being a landlord, go to landlordbc.ca and become a member. The fees are small. The support is strong. Take the guesswork out of renting your unit. Go to landlordbc.ca today and learn how to rent it right. Maintenance tips, repair advice, and more. Motorline, brought to you by Speedy Auto. Saturdays at noon on CFAX 1070. Keeping you informed, Mark Brené on CFAX 1070. We got the mayor in the house. Mayor Lisa Helps is here. You just heard Art talking about this, how the judge has reserved judgment, uh, his decision in uh, Vancouver. CFAX 1070 is part of a court battle. 
to uncover key evidence in the case of suspended Victoria Police Chief Frank Elsner. Now, CFAX 1070, along with uh, CTV Vancouver Island and the Times columnist, are all involved in this. A judge has heard Elsner's bid behind closed doors in a Vancouver courtroom, and as Art just said, uh, he has reserved judgment. Elsner is seeking a ban on evidence connected to several investigations into his conduct. His improper relationship with a subordinate's wife initially prompted this investigation. Elsner is now trying to suppress the contents of Twitter messages between he and that woman and the details of his employment contract. He also wants a gag order on evidence gathered during both the internal and external investigations. Police uh, complaint commissioner investigations are pertaining to the relationship, the alleged workplace harassment, and alleged attempts to influence witnesses and destroy evidence. Those are ongoing. Now, uh, we should find out next week or maybe the week after what the judge says uh, as far as releasing more information. What do you hope the judge will do in this? Um, We took, the co-chairs and the board took no position on the sealing of the application. So I hope the judge does what the judge thinks is best. He's the judge. We we didn't we didn't file anything in this regard at all. But you get why the media wants to see more information on sure. this. Sure. Yeah, I mean, of, of course, I get why everyone wants to see more information, uh, but it's before the judge, and the judge will make a decision. Because a lot of people still don't get. I know you said it's the police act and all that. Why he's still being paid? Because there's been no proof against him. There's been no there there are, you know lots of allegations you've read out some of them mm-hmm. but the police the police act says that unless there is it unless it's in the public interest to suspend the police chief without pay um, the the status quo remains which is that he's paid suspended with pay that that's what the police act says so we have we have we have not no, the public never mind the public the police board has not even seen any results of any of these investigations we have we have nothing but all the allegations that have been mentioned so there's According to the Police Act, there's no public interest infraction, and there's no reason to suspend him without pay. If there is a reason, then that's certainly something the board will look at. But the investigations haven't been concluded. Any of the investigations, not one, not two, not three, have not been uh, concluded by the um, the people who are acting for the Office of Police Complaints. How is how is this impacting the uh, the police force itself, the, the the rank and file? Are they okay with all this? There's a lot of controversy swirling around. You know. I think it must be really hard for them. I think uncertainty in any organization is challenging. I think that everybody would like this put to rest. Um, unfortunately, I guess it's a complex investigation, and the Office of Police Complaints Commissioner keeps extending it. It's now been extended to November the 30th. But what I can say is, while it must cause some tension and, and some uncertainty, is that the department is doing a fantastic job. They're doing a great job. I can't tell you how many kudos I got uh, from people who had been down there on the legislature lawn saying it was great to have the police there. They kept order in a way that was respectful. I mean, you know, they're not, and, and that's just one example. I mean, the, the police do a ton of work every day and a lot of work that no one even sees, you know, working on, on mental health policy, working to make sure that people who are out there on our streets um, are safe. And, and you know, it, it, they we, we we got a report uh, on all of the things that they've done in all of their various units in the past year, and it's astounding. So while there is some stress, I can say that Acting Chief Manick and his senior command team and everyone in the in the department's doing a good job. Did he get a raise because he's acting as police chief? Does he get paid more now? He gets paid. Well, he gets paid a bit more in the acting capacity, yes. Makes sense. Uh, you mentioned the things that police uh, we, we don't see police doing. Are they still having to wake up people in Beacon Hill Park and that kind of thing? 
Is that still happening? Uh, yeah, that's happening. The police and bylaw have uh, worked out a system so that everyone's not doing the same thing twice. But um, there are, in 2016, in Canada, in such a prosperous country, there are still people sleeping in parks. And uh, and the parks bylaws um, try and strike a balance so that people have a safe place to shelter, but that people who are parks users uh, also have a, you know, a place to, to recreate. Let's get to some calls. Here's Don waiting on CFAX 1070. Go ahead, Don. Yeah, good afternoon. I don't know, Mayor. Sexting on the uh, phone, I, I can't see paying anybody uh, money after they've uh, openly uh, admitted that on uh, public TV. But there again, maybe we just have different values. I'm just curious, Mark, um, is there any chance to have the other mayors be given an hour per week? I'm just kind of curious. I, I enjoy Lisa, but I, there, there's, I think there's 13 other mayors you might want to consider having on an hour per week. Well, think about that, Don. Yeah, we we get them all I mean, on as we can. Because the other mayors seem to come on, uh, you know, basically a reaction to a current event. Right. But uh, Lisa seems to have an hour per week, and uh, I don't know, I just think there's more going on than just downtown Victoria. I think she does do a good job, but, uh, you know, just to balance the program there a bit, Mark. We'll, uh, we'll think about that. Thanks, Don. Appreciate that. Yeah. Well, Mayor, you've always been very... Woo the heck was that? You've always been very kind with your time, and uh, most of the other mayors have as well. We'll see if we can get them on a little bit more often. I think Don has a point. I'm going to get to a couple emails here. Hello, Mark. Could you ask the mayor if the 15 directors have now signed the sewage agreement to locate the plant in Esquimalt, says Art. Uh, yes. Uh, well, we haven't signed anything, but we did a very public vote a few weeks back. Um, the plant will be tertiary treatment, uh, will be built by 2020, which is the federal deadline, uh, and is, depending on which way you count, uh, at least $20 million uh, less expensive than the previous plant. So yes, it is going ahead. Um, there's still the I's to be dotted and the T's to be crossed with the provincial and federal governments, but for uh, from all accounts, they're happy with the new business plan and the new uh, business case and uh, happy to have the project done. And I think the federal government in particular is quite happy that we've ended up with a higher level of treatment than they have requested. And that's something that they can hold up and, and point to. I want to get back to the UBCMs right now. Uh, something else that came from that. I'm trying to think what the heck it was on top of it. Oh, you know what I want to ask you? Uh, the parkade situation. There are five downtown parkades. And uh, I'm wondering if there's any plan to build more. Because there was some scuttlebutt about that uh, back in February. I think uh, Chris Coleman was saying maybe we should look at building more. They've been quite successful. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I can tell you for sure it's not in the capital plan, uh, which is the city's kind of 20-year plan for for capital investment and capital improvement. So um, I don't think we need more downtown parkades. Um, I think we probably need to... um, encourage uh, as new apartments are built um, to have adequate parking there and you know one of the things that's really interesting here's a perfect example actually I just thought of it the Jaws atrium building right um, they have uh, parking for their workers during the day and public parking at night and maybe that you know going forward if uh, and I think again you'd have to talk to Robert Jall about this but I think they've found that because they have end of trip facilities for people riding bikes that their parkades um, for their workers or their parking for their workers isn't full during the day so maybe that's a way of kind of leveraging private sector investments getting them if you know as as space opens up in their parkades right. to open them up to the public certain sec- sections of them during the day no security issue with that Oh, I don't know. I mean, they. I don't know if they've got security guards in at night, but I mean, people go there to park and then leave their cars. I don't. Well, things happen. People gather there. Things could happen. 
Yeah, but the way that the the particular one at the atrium, you can't. There's there's a gate. It's not like a city parkade. Okay. There's a you you swap in. You get you, the gate goes up. You park and you go up in the elevator. And then they do have a security guard in the or I guess I don't know if they're, the person's a security guard, but let's call the person a concierge mm-hmm. uh, in the uh, in the lobby of the atrium. The reason I asked you about the parking thing is uh, there's a surface parking lot that holds 120 cars on Yates and Johnson, and as I understand it, they're going to be building uh, two towers there. Two big towers, one a condo tower and one a rental tower. At least that's the plan. Yeah. This is uh, Yates and Johnson, 848 Yates and 849 Johnson. Yeah, it's just before Quadra. Right. So there goes another parking lot downtown. Awesome. Awesome. You want to get rid of them all? I do. Really? Downtown Victoria, capital city, and surface parking is the best we can do. Yeah. Um, you know, my vision is that one day where all of the parking lots are, there are buildings above, and that doesn't preclude. Again, I think, you know, if the business case is there, the private sector will respond and build parking underneath. It's expensive to build underground parking, but, you know, it'll. the city requires certain parking requirements for all of these developments, and we'll, we'll, we're actually reviewing that because we think we're kind of going over the top a little bit. They haven't been changed since the early 90s, but it may be that the city requires a certain amount of parking to be built, and then the people who live there find that, you know, 20 years from now, they don't need as many cars because we've got Bike Toria right. and Rapid Transit, and then those spaces that were built for the people who live there are freed up, and, you know, I... I I could not work out the security logistics, but I think there's all sorts of opportunity. I really don't think surface parking is the best and highest use of valuable downtown land. Well, we are out of time. We are out of time. Time flies when you're speaking with the mayor. Thank you for coming in again. We'll My see you next pleasure. week. My pleasure. Yeah, have a good weekend. Mayor Lisa Helps from the City of Victoria. News is next on CFAX 1070. This is the Lions Huddle, brought to you by your BC Ram dealers. Talk about being thrown into the fire. Lions halfback Chandler Fenner got his first start against the league's top two receivers in Adarius Bowman and Darrell Walker. This week, his second start comes against a well-balanced group of Red Blacks pass catchers, a quintet that many believe is the deepest in the CFL. We have had some very seasoned and experienced guys to go against, and what better opportunity than to go against the best, and I think that that's something that I really appreciate and respect, and I want to